You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi, lovelies. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. So some of you may actually recognize our guest's voice from episode 69 of 50 Plus Tip Podcast. This week, we are sitting down once again with Master Chef winner Courtney Lepressi, a brilliant cook who also happens to have 11 years of experience in the adult entertainment industry. Courtney is an adult entertainer, pole artist, and digital creator. She is most widely known as a season five winner of Master Chef and author of Everyday Fancy, 65 Easy Elegant Recipes for Meals, Snacks, Sweets, and Drinks. It was such a pleasure to reconnect with Courtney and get caught up on everything that she's got going on in her life right now. So this episode, we recap what she's been up to, define what it means to show up as your best self, reflect on the ways club staff can make and unfortunately break our shifts, discuss how she combats burnout, we get candid about her divorce journey, and end with some tarot card readings. You guys are really going to enjoy reconnecting with her as much as we did, so here you go. Welcome back, Courtney. We are so excited to have you once again. Firstly, what have you been up to since the last time we spoke? So the last time we chatted was, it was around this time last year, and so much changes in a year. It's amazing. Um, I'm now living full-time in South Florida, and in the past year, I've done so many firsts. I've traveled for dancing. I've traveled for work. I went to New Orleans and I danced in a handful of clubs down there. I danced in, oh my gosh, I danced in South Carolina and it was terrifying to say the least. Um, and then I, I found a home base in South Florida and I've really enjoyed it here. Um, kind of been around Orlando, um, closer to like Fort Lauderdale and I feel like I've finally found like my strip club home again, which feels so good. Um, just searching for it has been an adventure in itself and really just building some like stability and foundation in my life and just back to kicking ass and emptying out wallets one at a time. It's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Um, pow, 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 pow. <laughs> from the ankles, like, give me your lunch. <laughs> Throw them in a locker. <laughs> yeah. I so love it. What fetishes exist out there. They they love it. You just got to find what they want. 100% there is someone with a fetish of, like, being thrown into the locker like the, the girl who bullied them in high school did. Yes. And now I'm going to bully you for a Birkin bag, baby. Oh, bully for the bacon. <laughs> right. Um, of course, you said that you found your home club again in Florida. Where have been your other favorite places to dance aside from there? I really loved dancing in Colorado. I loved it. I made such good friends there. And something about the way that Colorado operates is they don't often allow traveling entertainers. So when you do get a contract and you're there, you're very much protected in the sense of you're not going to walk in one night to have a bunch of travelers and 
have it sometimes like dilute how much the money is going to be spread throughout the club. And living in Colorado also like price points for dances are way higher. I was able to charge like upwards of $60 a song for a private dance in Colorado. Come to South Florida, they're all, you know, standard 25 bucks. But I would say that I would say that the most fun I've had in clubs, I mean, Florida's Florida's a party city. There's it's a great time here, but Colorado was like the deep like regulars, the relationships, like you get to know your clients to the point where now that I'm in Florida, I still have I still have friends from Colorado that reach out to me and like offer to buy me outfits or or shoes and like contribute to the success of my work no matter where I am. I think you can do that with any job. You just have to, you have to find out how to ask for those things that you need. What do you contribute that to or attribute that to um, with regards to there being kind of more like those deep regulars in Colorado as opposed to other places? Is it because it's less transient or? Yeah, in Colorado, you can get some really good regulars because people are traveling weekly or you know it's like they have this rotation of where they travel for work and you just kind of book them you set your schedule and then you can that's when you can go in to work on a Sunday or a Monday those you know usually lower lower traffic days and you can have a really good night if you you know book it like an appointment just like anybody else would set aside an hour and a half for them set the expectation that 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 you're getting a VIP room and making an experience for them. A lot of people come from vacation. Like in, in Florida, the difference would really be that most of these people, you're either never going to see them again, or they're going to be in every weekend. So you have to determine almost like vetting your customers for, is this somebody that I want to see every week? Can I maintain the experience that they want week after week? Or is this like a single serving guest? Like I have guests that sometimes the fantasy that they want, I'm not able to provide multiple times. It's exhausting. Sometimes, you know, people want to air their grievances at you and you're like, I can handle this once for a thousand dollars, but I don't think I can do this again because I have to go work on me afterward. Like that was a lot. So, but that's where, that's where it gets into charging more for your time based on the experience that they want. Like if you're going to talk to me about things that like, bore the hell out of me I'm gonna charge you a premium for it because I have to sit and smile through it and I don't want to but if I genuinely enjoy the conversation and the time that I'm there you know I'm going to reach out to them when I want to like hey I'm gonna try out a Tuesday I haven't done Tuesday here before it would be so much easier if you were there to cheer me on like I don't know the more that the more that you treat it like an actual business with an actual clientele and a, like an actual stripper sales pitch, it becomes so much more successful for you regardless of the state you're in. But Colorado, you can just you can bank on a rotation of people coming through on a, on a routine, on a schedule. And you said that they weren't very friendly to outside dancers. It's not that they aren't friendly. I think it has something to do with their licensing. 
So in Colorado, you have to have a state identification card. It's not like going to Florida where you need an, an entertainment license, like an adult entertainment license. In Colorado, it's like the money can be so good, you know? So they, it's kind of a little bit of gatekeeping. Like we can't just let everybody come in because then the women who do live here and work here, like the pool becomes too big. There's too many fish in the pond at that point. Um, And before I had left Colorado, they did this thing where they said, we're not accepting any new contracts for a while because we want to protect the people who do have existing contracts in light of the fact that we continue to shut down and reopen for all of the um, quarantine needs. So it is an, it is difficult to get in there and you have to show a commitment if you want to be there, but it's so worth it. I really enjoyed the time I danced there. So as you mentioned, like it can be tough. I know when people are probably listening, they're like, oh my God, a thousand dollars to sit there and listen. Like, yep. And that could be sometimes the longest hour of your night is just sitting there and listening. And I think sometimes when we have those nights, the next night, it can be hard to drag yourself to the club when you've already been like emotionally drained or mentally drained or physically drained from working. And it can be more hard to put on your best self when you're there. What does it mean to you to show up as your best self? And how does that influence your earnings? Yeah, this is like, this is the, this is the good, good. Um, You have to think about how many times a day someone says, how are you? All day long, like, you go get coffee, you go get gas, whatever your like morning errands are. 15 people, oh, hi, how are you? How are you? And it gets to the point where you don't even hear that anymore. It doesn't register with you anymore. And sometimes at the end of a long day, someone will come into my club and they're so tired of hearing, how are you? That when I show up and I say, I've had a fantastic day today. Do you want to hear about it? It's almost like, the first time that they've heard outrageous positivity. They're so used to like this melodramatic, like, oh, another day, same shit, different day. That when you actually show up and you say like, hey, you can call me Coco. What can I call you? And what was the best part of your day today? Somebody's eyes are going to widen and they're going to be like, okay, I can fuck with this. I can have a conversation with this. I have something I can offer for this. And I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes if so- if someone can shake me out of a bad, a bad moment, like that lasts a lot longer for me. Um, I, I changed some practices in my life that have done nothing but increase my, my earning potential and my like, everything, my emotional reserves, my ability to work on less sleep, my ability to do more in my day. Um, And it just starts with a simple practice of gratitude. Like I pour my coffee. I, I usually take a picture of it and I write three things I'm thankful for. And then as I go on through my day, all of these like good things that happen, I put them in my back pocket. And when I get to work, I want to tell everyone about them. 
because nobody goes to the strip club to have a shitty conversation and nobody goes to the strip club to have a bad time. And if they do, then that is, that is their problem. If they're coming to project negativity onto us, that's their problem. But like 99% of the time people come to us to have a good time. And it's, it's my job. That's part of preparing for work. So if I can be my authentically best self, then I have the highest opportunity to earn the most money. Like for, for perfect example, I worked last night and everybody was complaining that money was slow. Money was slow. Money was slow. Money wasn't slow for me. I had great conversations. I met some great new friends. I got some Instagram followers. Somebody jumped on my OnlyFans. Nobody asked me for change. Nobody argued tipping me. People paid more for the dances and I asked. They even said things like, Rather than how much do I owe you, they said, how much do you want? And we have to, as entertainers and as sex workers, we got to get very comfortable with asking for what we want, like specifically, because when, when you have the energy and you have the charisma to kind of allow somebody to forget about the garbage in their life for even just a few minutes, you have their entire attention when they say, how much do you want? So ask for it. Like, I want, I want a number with a comma. I want a number with, with three zeros after it. Like you can ask for something specific and they're likely going to give it to you because you just gave them something that nobody else all day gave them. And it was active listening eye contact, and a genuine conversation. It's like if they went home to talk to like their spouse or their partner and how was your day? This is what I did. It was great. I had a wonderful time. And it's not the airing of dirty laundry or grievances of frustrations. It's a genuine like, I'm excited to hear about your human experience but we're also in an environment where I do anticipate and expect you to pay me handsomely for it. I always get so awkward when people ask like, what do you want? And I always revert to like the, um, the Austin Powers, like one million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate, hate that I do that. <laughs> well, there's definitely a lot of success in saying that because yes, it makes them laugh. But when you say, um, what do you want? And you give them a legitimate answer of, I want to stay in VIP all night until the lights come on. Or I don't want to move from this private dance room until they tell me that I have to go away. Like you're telling them this is the experience and you have me right here, but you just have to be able to show up with with the payment. Like everything's lined up. We just got to... We just got to commit to it. Are you going to commit to me for the evening? You know? Yeah. And I think another thing that like really affects the like positivity of an entire night, and this is definitely something that we've talked about um, sort of off air, is the club staff, like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, How do you think that the staff impacts your work? Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is such a great topic. I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. 
because staff can make or break your night. And when you find a good floor staff and you find good management, money doesn't stop moving. And and I'm not saying I want to be really clear about this. This is not, I'm going to walk in the door and give a floor guy a $100 bill and expect him to present me with a VIP room. We're not talking about that. We're talking about just like how we get to know our customers so we can anticipate their needs to have a great time. Getting to know your staff, who your team is, who's earning money with you. Like if I pull in and I see certain people, I know I'm going to have a great night. Like last weekend, I had a floor guy. I'm on stage with another entertainer. We're dancing together. Everybody's really into it. And out of the corner of my eye, I see my floor staff, my floor guy come up with like 100 in singles, waving the money around saying, who needs singles? Who who needs who needs singles to tip the beautiful women? Like my floor guy was out there hustling for me to make money on my stage. Like he doesn't have to do that. But not only does it create a better experience for the customer, it creates a better experience for me because now like I don't have an extra song to dance to and my clients have no money to spend. Like he's keeping them full. He's keeping them happy. The DJ's playing the music that they want to throw to. When it works together, it becomes a very well-oiled machine of just explosions of money. We're talking like, like imagine a snow globe, shake it up. That's like, this is what stripper dreams are made of. When you, when you can trust your team to anticipate your needs and they trust you to anticipate the customer's needs, it's like, I don't even know how to explain it other than like beautiful synergy because the money doesn't stop flowing till the end of the night. Like they might throw it on me. I might throw it to them. It might fall on the floor and get picked up by someone else like it just as long as we keep money moving it really just matters who ends up with it at the end like I I, I will say um the floor staff that I'm working with right now is probably the best in my 10 plus experience 10 plus years experience in clubs the most professional the most um, respectful, nothing slips through the cracks. Like nothing. There's no, nobody. We talked about before, sometimes people would Google me. They would think that must be her. That must be the girl from, from MasterChef. But like in this club, you hold up your phone, it's snatched out of your hands. It's like completely not acceptable. And I can trust that my floor staff's going to do that for me. I can trust that I can go on stage and put on a great show and not worry that like my asshole is going to be like on Snapchat. I mean, it is, but I want it on my consent, not somebody else's choice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay the premium for that, you know? Yes, that costs money. I had somebody get VIP last night because he wanted to look at my butthole with a flashlight. Like, I'm okay with that, but you're going to be. Uh... <laughs> um, 
you're going to pay a premium. <laughs> but that's when you talk about like showing up as your best self. If I was in a bad mood, I would take that as like defensive and frustrated rather than seeing it as an opportunity to make money. Mm-hmm. If you're tired of hearing the same shit from your customers, like I'm tired of people saying, what's your real name? And come, oh. up, come up with a great comeback. Mm-hmm. Come back. Like someone says, oh, that's not your real name. Yeah, it's not. But if you said my real name, it would make me think that I'm in trouble. I don't want to be in trouble, except if I ask for it. And at that point, you're not calling me my first name. You're calling me my pet name. Like, you just have to redirect. Like, this is how we keep it in the the sexy lane. Like, when you say when you say the stupid shit, it like you're getting on an exit ramp and you're going home. But if you stay in the sexy lane, we're gonna take we're gonna take it the whole way. We're gonna have fun until the club shuts down. And then there you have Riley who starts talking about her parents. Tell us about that, Riley. <laughs> uh, that was not my real name. Take it off with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> then you get the whole backstory of where her parents met and how they conceived her in one location. And then they thought Riley was a great name. And I'm just staring at her like, why are we talking about your parents conceiving you now? <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> and they will never ask adults on this question again. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. Just traumatize them into never doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you asked about my real name. I've got some, I've got childhood trauma that I'm ready to unload. Is that what you want? (laughs) So it all started in 19... (laughs) 99. Yeah, right? (laughs) So you, we, we joke about people calling you like, you know, what's your, what's your real name? And like all those, and you're saying, you know, if you weren't showing up as your true self, those things would annoy you but no matter how often we show up as our true self and no matter how experienced we are in the industry I think we all face burnout um, without a doubt at some point or many points in our careers and it's something that Riley and I have talked about at length both on and off the podcast you know we constantly say sex work is fast money it's not easy money and I think that's something that people need to really understand. But for yourself personally, how do you combat burnout? And what does rest mean to you? It took me almost this whole past year to understand how my body tells me that I'm burning out. Because it's different for everybody. Like, we're very familiar with the feelings in our body of I have a headache or I'm tired or you know, I'm thirsty, but we don't often learn how to recognize the identifiers of my body's burning out. Um, I know that the first thing that goes for me if I'm burning out is my voice. Um, I've noticed a pattern. I'll work three days straight and then I need to take three days off because I have to just rehab my vocal cords. Um, but it, really boils down to making the everyday almost like a routine and not a routine in the strict sense but a routine in the sense of I need to hydrate I need to move my body and I need to critically think 
whether that's journaling or reading or having a positive conversation with another human. Um, When I do burn out and I push myself too far, the first thing that I do is isolate. Um, I feel like closing off all access for contact for me and, and really being alone in a sheltered environment makes me feel protected and safe so I can rest and get back to that 100%. Because if I can't show up to work as 110% my best self, it's doing everyone a disservice. It's doing my clients a disservice. It's doing my um, team a disservice. And above all, it's doing myself a disservice. So when, when I need to focus on avoiding burnout. It's not so much like avoiding burnout. It's just knowing your limits. Do I have the emotional capacity to go in an hour early? Um, do I have, do I have the, you know, have I had enough sleep or enough to eat today to have, I don't know, a nine hour shift rather than a six hour shift? What, how do I prepare for my needs We spend so much time anticipating our clients' needs, but are we anticipating our own needs? And avoiding the burnout is like just knowing I can't drive. I can't drive down the highway going 100 miles an hour the whole way. I can't do that. I'm going to run out of gas. I'm going to be like on high alert, checking traffic, my blind spots, blah, 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 blah. There's so much that you have to focus on. That if you just reel it back and you go about 85, you're going to get further in the long run because you're not, your, your cortisol levels aren't like spiking. You're not in a constant fight or flight mode. You can really settle into just enjoying yourself and finding that calmness and customers gravitate to that. They don't want to be around the entertainer that's a liability or risky or she's hammered or she's whatever they want they want somebody that's going to match their energy levels and create an environment that they can let loose in it's like we're we're almost like chaperones for a good time we're chaperones and we're the the eye candy we're the curators of the good of the good time right like we all and have the babysitters. <laughs> yeah, we have friends that we want to be with. Like you go to a party, you gravitate to them. I want people to gravitate to me in the club because I've got the highest vibrational level. I I slept the best. I had a I ate breakfast that day. I went to the gym. Like I did all these things that people like want to do. I wish I went to the gym. That sounds like it would have been a great a great idea. Go to the gym then, like infect people with with the positivity and the the good self-care practices and just like see how long you can keep that wave going. Yeah, I think at this time it's so easy to fall into the like negative rut and like so very difficult to get out of it. Like it's so much easier to just stay in that woe is me everything is hard this is why I'm feeling like that and it takes a lot of emotional 
energy to like bounce back from that or even just have the motivation to get out of that rut. Yeah. I don't think that um, most people would even understand how much self-motivation I have to give myself. Like every shift involves a pep talk. Um, I've got a playlist called walk-up music that I play on my way to work that literally builds the energy to set the tone for my night. Like I think about it, I think about it in such a big picture. Like it's so, misery loves company. And we've been in this like pandemic for however long that it's everybody's, there's so much, they would so much rather be miserable than feel uncomfortably happy to feel genuinely happy. I don't know how to explain it. It's just something within ourselves feels comfortable in a bad mood. And then when you're validated by others that, yeah, everything is shit. But then, but if everything's shit, then everything's shit. And then what? So like, you come to the club looking for a great time. You just need to find the right match of the person that you can feel safe having a great time with. That's when you can like start to, I don't know, type your customers. Like I want to find the person who's got their elbows on their bar, on the bar and their head, hands over their head and like zoning out of like, this is, you know, that person's begging for a turnaround. That person's begging to be taken to a room and have a private, um, you know, person to person experience where they can either talk about how terrible their day was, or they can consciously make a choice to make it better. Yeah. And I think speaking of like consciously trying to make things better is we know that, you know, something we haven't talked about on the last episode um, is your divorce and how you went through that and how you've had to sort of like build yourself up from that and con- consciously try and be more positive. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey through that? Yeah. I spent a lot of time in therapy. I love my therapist. My therapist is fantastic. Um, divorce is rough. No matter what way you look at it, no matter what way you cut it, it's it's rough. Um, but no good marriage ends in divorce, so that's any indicator. Um, but it, it really changes because in the first part of the aftershock of my divorce, it was like, I'm motivated to go to work because I'm so angry at my divorce and my ex-husband and all of the things that surrounded that. I'm so angry that that's what's fueling my fire to earn money. But that's like going 100 miles an hour down the highway and you burn out real quick. And then you you might make enough money to sit on your ass for a month and sulk and feel like garbage. Um, I'm so thankful I had my animals because even at my lowest, I was like, I show up for them. That's who I show up for. If I can't even show up for myself, I show up for my animals. And I took 
I took the better part of this entire year to really reel in like my cruise control, like what speed am I the most effective at? How many days a week can I be the most effective with earning money? Um, what skills do I need to possess to be the most efficient in my conversations? What what are things that are genuine to my personality that would make people see value in spending money on me? And when I started thinking about that, like what parts of me can I monetize? It almost forced me to be like, I have so many awesome and fun things to offer and I get to ask for a price point on it. I get to like, I get to come in and choose the customer and get them to trust me that I'm going to give them a good time. And it's almost like serial first dating, whether it ends in, you know, a few dances or a VIP room or even just like exchanging a handful of twenties at the bar. But when I started focusing on how can I feel the the happiest and how can I feel the most proud of myself um, rather than I'm so angry at my divorce that I'm going to make more money because that will hurt. That will hurt my ex because I'm earning more and I'm doing more. Once I removed that attitude and was like, okay, let's be real, Courtney. It's not about them. It's about you. What can you do to make your life better in general? I noticed that my earnings started to dramatically increase when I was entirely focused on just loving myself and then sharing the love that I have for myself with other people rather than I have to go to work, I have to shake my ass, I have to make money, I have to pay off all of the debt that I've been put in because of this stupid divorce. No, fuck all that noise and come to the club like, hello, I am the strip club. I am the event that you came here for. And you might not know it yet, but I do. The money just gravitates to you. And it's so much more satisfying. And I think we're going to ask this question because I feel like um, it's going to be something that comes up in discussion. Um, Do you think that your job sort of influenced your divorce or was played a part in your Oh, yeah. Um, No, absolutely not. I'll say... Because you know people listening square is going to be like, of course, because she's a stripper and that's why she (laughs) couldn't, like, have a happy marriage. Like, so we want to, like... Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're right. Let's let's unpack this. Um, My marriage did not end because of working in a club. Um, Every relationship is different. Every marriage is different. Um, I was married to somebody who was incredibly supportive of me being in clubs. Um, And it, it had, it really had nothing to do with, with it falling apart. Um, That's separate. It is really private. And I do understand why people would ask that question. Because of course, we're told with like marketing, like, you know, revenge body workouts. And like, I did have that feeling of upfront of I'm going to earn money because I'm so angry and watch me thrive without you. Um, 
but it it's not about another person. I'm earning money because I'm I'm treating myself the way that I want to be treated by my partner. I'm allowing myself to wake up at four o'clock in the afternoon if that's what my body needs that day. I might have gone to bed at 9 a.m. My animals are still fed. They still are taken very well care of. Like, but it's, there's a difference between, yes, this relationship is no longer suiting me and I'm moving away from it. Um, Obviously that cutting out bad relationships will only allow you to succeed but you have to do the work on yourself too. You can get a divorce and then jump right back into a relationship that has the same red flags. It's on you to do the work on yourself. So you don't you don't choose partners that have these red flags or you don't you don't attract partners that are full of red flags. Just like how we don't want to attract customers who you know, I might not want to do a, a dance with this person because I don't like how aggressive they are, but I would let them throw money on me on stage. Then you start talking about boundaries. So I decided that I wasn't going to be in a, a marriage anymore and I wasn't happy. And then it was on me to do the work to find out what made me happy and how I could give it to myself. I can't expect somebody to bring me my happiness. Only I know what my happiness is. And sometimes it's really hard to express that. It's hard to express your needs. It's hard to express your emotions. It's hard to identify your emotions. So so yes, again, I do hear how many people would say, of course you're doing well. You're you're a new bad bitch, you're you're newly single, you're this, you're that. Yeah, but you also didn't see me when I was under a rock for like six to eight months. And when the only person I spoke to was my therapist and my barista. When it was a big deal for me to get out of the house and go to a public place. It, it really is about us. We have to take care of us. And when you are at the place where you are the best you can be, then you can start to invite other people because you become a much better, um, like you're the bouncer to your own life. You're the bouncer to your emotional stability. You can identify, I've seen that red flag. That's not allowed here. That's a green flag. You can come over. Let's go. Like when you can identify what brings you joy and what brings you anxiety and cut out the anxiety and only seek joy, then joy only presents itself to you. And of course, yes, there's going to be low moments. I tell my therapist all the time, yeah, I'm on a upward, I'm on an upward incline, but let's be prepared for an emotional breakdown, like prepare for it. So if you see the symptoms of it, just like we see the symptoms of burnout, you know how to address it. If you have a headache, you take an Advil or you hydrate yourself. If I'm feeling burnout, I might sleep more or I might get takeout so I don't have to do any cooking. I remember I got really sick and I kept saying to myself, I think I just want someone to clean my house for me. That would make me feel better. Like asking yourself, what do I need? 
and then giving it to yourself. It's just the, it's the best form of care and, and appreciation. And that's how we can get everything that we want. Only, only when we, only when our cup is full and overflowing, can we share it with other people. And I might've, I might've been wrong in, you know, choosing to get married or, you know, we could talk about that for hours. I, I pay someone a lot of money to talk to me about that. <laughs> um, but it, it does get to a point where you realize that almost every relationship is doomed to be difficult if you aren't completely secure and and taking the utmost care of yourself. I just got like real metaphysical on that. <laughs> we just went for a deep dive. No, but it's, you know, it is something that the breakup of relationships is something that we haven't really touched on this podcast. And I do think that it is an important topic to be discussed, you know, like it's not always supportive boyfriends or angry things. Like sometimes things do fall apart and like how you pick up yourself in an environment where you, it is so demanding that you are positive, you are the good time and it affects your income. Like, you know, it's not a usual job that when you uh, you know, have an office job, you still get the same salary no matter what sort of mood you're in, you know, it does affect your income. And then like that sort of in turn, like when I've been really depressed and therefore haven't made much money because I haven't been the light in the room, it sort of like doubles over and then you get even more upset because, okay, well now, you know, you're not reaching those goals that you have for yourself. And it's just sort of this like horrible cycle. And I think it's, it is an important topic to touch on. Yeah. I've, I've noticed a couple of things with, with that in the better I feel, the more money that I earn. And then the better I feel, the more I want to give to others. So then I notice that the, when I tip my, my team appropriately at the end of the night, like I notice the details I noticed that like I didn't lift a finger. I my hand was held every time I had to step on an elevated platform to get on stage or every time I went into the private dance room I was greeted by name. Like it creates this energy to your customer too that you are very important and they made the right choice by spending time with you. And then I when I compensate my team for that by saying like I see you working hard for me and, you know, cause in a sense, like we're kind of the customers to our floor staff because at the end of the day, like as an entertainer, we tip them all out. So just as much as I want a customer to tip me, they're working for them as well. And when you can give a specific reason, like I'm tipping you this because I saw that you went above and beyond for me then it it validates everyone involved. That person, the floor staff feels validated because their hard work wasn't for nothing. You feel validated because people, everyone in the club looked at you like you were a princess, like you were a force to be reckoned with. And it makes you want to come back again. It's been a very long time since I've felt like I want to go to work. I'm excited to go to work. Before I was just going to work because, you know, somebody was telling me that we had goals that needed to be met, but I didn't 
I didn't really go to bed dreaming about those goals. I just went to bed being like, I don't know how I'm going to have the energy to show up for work. And then I'd get so scared to go to work because I was afraid I wouldn't make money. And just like you said, Riley, it's that terrible cycle. And as soon as you decide that you don't, that's a red flag and I don't go there. I'm only, I am only my best self in these four walls. I have a place where I can fall apart. It's on Mondays at two o'clock with my therapist. It's not here in this club right now. But when you compartmentalize just a little bit like that, it gives you that emotional strength, the mastery of your reactions. And it makes you less of a liability and more of a, an asset to anyone's life. Yeah, so you touched on before how you kind of changed your mindset from almost working through spite to like working for yourself. How has your hustling style changed, I guess, pre-divorce and then post-divorce and then now that you're in a, a better place? Yeah, um, pre-divorce, I was thinking quantity rather than quality. Um, I noticed that my conversations were of less value. They were brief. It was it was just shy of, hi, what's your name? Do you want to dance? And we all know how unsuccessful that approach is. Post-divorce, it was almost like I was meeting myself again for the first time, like my true self. So... In the land of fantasy, I did feel a little bit safer in being vulnerable of like, oh, today I had the greatest cup of coffee. How do you like your coffee? Like nobody talks about that at the club, but it's refreshing to hear because it's something new. So post-divorce, I, I started, I started actively listening to what my customers said, but I also started listening to what they didn't say. I paid more attention to their body language and then I reflected it on myself of like, okay, when I put my hand behind my neck, I often do that in a moment of feeling insecure or uncomfortable. It's a defensive body posture. So when I see that in my customer, I want them to open their body language to feel safe with me. So I might encourage them to do that by doing that myself. I'll open my body language. I'll uncross my legs. I'll put my hands on their shoulders to kind of ground them. And I take all of these skills that I've learned through my therapy of not just how to get things that you want, because yes, we all want money, but how to effectively create an environment where someone feels supported. Because when someone feels supported and then you ask them for something, they're more likely to give you what you're looking for rather than the defensive body language and then using the defensive verbal language to say no. Um, so it's almost like you're teaching through example. And the, the better of a day I have, the better of a night they have. And it doesn't matter where they start off with. The, the customer says, oh, my day was good. Awesome. How do we take it from good to great? 
or my day was great. I would love to be the reason why it goes from great to incredible. My day was incredible. Well, why don't we make it noteworthy? How do we make this a core memory? What's What would have to happen for this to just, for you to go home and tell all your friends about it? Because that's what they're looking for. It, ultimately, it's like a, a, a chase for like an emotional high. I get my dopamine for the week by feeling money fall on me on stage. That's my favorite part. Like, that's what I dream of. And if I can take some of that and share it with another person, it's just the transfer of energy. What can I leave you with that's going to make you feel better, shine a little brighter? Um, I'm just picturing you with a guy saying, you know, how can we make this night go from good to noteworthy? He's like, brings out his little flashlight. Yes. I've been waiting my whole life for this. He's like, I have ideas. But also, I think that this is the fundamental or sounds like the fundamental difference between people in Florida and people in Vancouver, because I know that if we ask people in Vancouver, they'd be like, Oh, you know, uh, if you, you know, fucked me for free or if I got this and this for you, it's like, oh, that's just a can of worms I cannot deal with. Well, you practice that. Okay, so let's role play for a second. (laughs) You're my customer and you said, if you want to take my night to incredible, you're going to bend over and let me fuck you six ways a Sunday. You'd be like, God, that sounds so much fun, but you would be the fifth person today and I'm a little tired and you just scare them a little bit. Just make it a little too real for them because they are there for fantasy. But as soon as you pull the curtain just enough, like I hate when men try to put their mouth on me. So I'll say to them, you sir are not a hamster and I am not a salt wheel. So let's, let's cool it for a moment. Or they do something that's like not appropriate, but I'm not going to yell at them because I know I can get more money out of them. Like you only get to do that once and you wasted it. If you had asked for it, you might've gotten what you wanted and you might've enjoyed it, but I'm slapping your wrist and now you have to sit on your hands for the next song and you can't touch me for three minutes unless we go to VIP right now. And it just becomes a game. Then they like it. That's the difference from pre-divorce. Somebody would touch me and I didn't like it. And I would react, get the fuck out of here or give me money. I will destroy your night. How fucking dare you treat me that way? To post-divorce of, all right, I know that we're in the grown-ups playground, but maybe you didn't read the rules or I didn't tell you. If you want to behave that way, we need copious amount of dollars or we need to be somewhere that, you know, this is this is the bunny hill. If you want to go down the double diamond, we got to go over here. Just a redirection. And the only way that I'm able to do that is by building up these emotional reserves. I had a great day so I can handle a couple of like hacks at my at my ego. I can handle someone being mean and being like, I don't like your makeup today. Okay, well, he just complimented me, so bye. Like, you know what things to either let bother you or things that you can overcome. So that's why, like, sometimes I'll go into the dressing room and 
you know, I, I want to have a snack or take a break. And you hear other girls complaining. And I, I don't want unsolicited negative energy coming into my brain. So I found that like 10 minutes with my headphones on listening to white noise is a huge game changer. It, it, think about athletes. Think about the Olympics. These, these athletes are there with their headphones on. They're pacing. They're focused. But when it's their time, when they step up, like when I step onto the stage or onto the floor, or even when my car pulls into the parking lot, I am decidedly choosing that I don't have the, the, the bandwidth for that. That's not welcome here. Just like how somebody who might make an advance on me, we don't do that here. My boundaries don't allow that. So when I hear entertainers complaining or trying to drag me down or like, are you having a good night? Like, I'm always having a good night. I will be a constant source of good energy in this environment. Otherwise, I'm not showing up because that doesn't make me money. And we're all here to make money. I love how you're both just like smiling at me. Nurses <laughs> <laughs> can see like your two beautiful faces just smiling because because it's it's there though. We all know what that feeling feels like when we are our best selves at work, when we know that we're making so much money, but we don't know how much it is yet. But we know it's a good night. Like, how do we bottle that and keep it forever? Oh, Denica always knows how much money is in a bag. <laughs> it's like borderline a sixth sense. Like I can like pick up my bag and be like, there is twenty three thousand five hundred eighty, and someone threw in a penny. <laughs> like, yeah. and there's a one dollar bill that's got the corner ripped off. <laughs> yeah, so we'll consider that seventy cents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this one's ripped in half. Is that fifty cents? Yeah. Actually, so, I want to do a, may I share a quick story just briefly? Please do. Please do. There was a night I was on stage with my friend Chanel. And it's my favorite because when the DJs do this, it's Coco and Chanel on stage. So Coco, Chanel. And we're on stage and we're doing our thing. And this jealous girl, she's just a customer. She's probably there with her boyfriend. She's a little tipsy. She started throwing quarters at us. Quarters. Like, you heard them dinging around on the stage. You saw them, like, you know, reflecting in the laser beams. <laughs> and first off, like, yes, I threw those quarters back at her. Like, I don't want this shit. Like, take this Ew. back. Right? But secondly, and this is where the good attitude comes in. This is where you can get pissed or you can make money. So you can get pissed and you can throw the quarters back in a playful way of like, ew, like, ooh, I don't want that. But also, hey, baby, you're supposed to make it rain, not hail. Like, just shift it a little bit. Because then all of her friends start laughing at her like, oh, my God, she really threw quarters at strippers. But then also security is going to step in and be like, we need to ask you to leave. And that's how you can handle a not great situation with grace and not affect your ability to earn money yeah I think 
I really commend you for like the patience that you have with people because there's like things that you've hit like said that like I've internally already snapped. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's where you earn. That's where you, that's where your commissions are. Um, okay, we'll use a restaurant example. Your paycheck is at the bottom of the bowl. You have to scrape the bowl clean to get every little bit of cake batter, right? So at the club, you have to be willing to find an opportunity to earn out of every shit experience. That way, when you do go home and you look at all your money, you can be like, yeah, this is like not what I wanted, but I worked really hard for it. Those are the nights that I say to myself, like, I earned my money $1 at a time. Nobody handed me a big bill. Like, every little bit mattered and counted. And that's how you can take those subpar evenings and and still be proud of yourself. Because not every day is going to have a comma involved. Some days might even have, like, a negative involved. We all, we, I've only met, like, one entertainer who's never had a negative night. And she's an, she's a goddess. She's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I want to give her the benefit of the doubt because I she has an infectiously positive attitude. She really does. Maybe I, I also yeah. part, of me, part of me wonders too if we're so bitter because we dance primarily in Vancouver, and everyone I've talked to who dances elsewhere and has danced in Vancouver, they all say Vancouver is the worst, like, soul-crushing place uh, mm. dance-wise. Um, the men here are just fucking terrible. The it's, it's actually wild. The things people say to dancers in Vancouver. So, not to, like, strip you and her of, like, your, like, Mother Teresa aspirations, <laughs> but, like, I think it also... <laughs> it's not our fault. It's Vancouver's fault. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. We so also are you... All I hear is you saying, we dare you to come to Vancouver and give these men a piece of you. That was my invite. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I will sit up my couch for you. Oh, man. But but I I think a lot of entertainers do get that high of, like, that new girl magic from traveling. You'll see it on social media a lot. People say my energy is like is stagnant. It's time for me to travel. It just gives you that like fresh approach. Definitely. So, speaking of a fresh approach, <laughs> we were going to do something new and exciting on the podcast for the first time ever. <laughs> You've been reading tarot cards for 7 years now. Mm-hmm. And we had the pleasure of grabbing lunch with you while we were in Florida and we had a little tarot reading in person, which was absolutely lovely. So we thought from the top. <laughs> so we were going to have Make a tarot. Do it again. <laughs> do the thing again for us. So we were going to do that on this episode to round out the episode. I love it. Let's do it. Um, I've actually been reading tarot at the club as a another offering for making money. So it's something that's kind of like, you know how every club has like house plants and they just sit there all the time. They might not spend money. They definitely don't buy dances. 
Mm-hmm. Um, even like the girls that come in that are too scared to get dances, but they want an experience with a stripper. What's it going to be? Um, I carry my tarot cards in my in my purse. And for the price of a private dance, I will read your cards for you. And it's such a great way to like offer your clients something without like it being what they expect because some people they they'll tell you right up front I don't sell dances or I don't not sell I don't buy I don't buy dances well good I'm not selling you a dance I'm selling you a tarot reading would you like to would you like to get into that and what happens is those people who come into your club for the last hour of the night that don't want to buy anything other than beer are going to look forward to seeing you because you provided them an experience that they can't get anywhere else. And it's an experience that it might give them the same emotional response as a private dance without them, you know, so many men complain, oh, you're just a tease. Like, all right, then let's talk about your life. Let's talk about your business. Let's have a mini therapy session within these three cards. And it goes a long way. Like some of my favorite things I do are readings. I read for someone last night and they, they said to me, last time you read for me, we talked about it the entire car ride home. It's like, yes, that's what I want. That, that's what makes me happy. So as I did that, I shuffled my cards and I'm going to pull three. Well, this is exactly how I do it at the club. I tell, I tell them, we're going to pull three cards. We'll talk about each of them individually and then we'll summarize them. And we don't need to ask for anything specific. We're just going to take a look at like a snapshot. So if you're ready, I'm ready. I have one quick question. Do you ever like fudge what the cards mean? As for like someone that you is being really awful and you're like, "Mm, it looks like in death card, you are very cheap and oh, it's going to lead to death. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... It usually. This, this is feel, why Riley can't is not allowed tarot cards at work. Honestly, I'm like you're gonna die. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. I'll turn into one of those like Facebook things. Like if you don't send ten dollars to like ten people in this room, you're gonna die. Your penis is gonna shrivel up and fall off. <laughs> <laughs> so most cards have um, like. A spectrum of meaning and based on how the person has been reacting to conversation um i'll i'll lean towards that part of the card so it feels a little bit more that they can resonate with it um there are some times where you'll push it a little bit harder just to make the message loud for example here's the first card it is um Number 12 of the major arcana, it's the hanged man, and it's depicted as a bat hanging upside down. So the bat's hanging upside down in a dark room and has red eyes. And Sorry. Riley, pulled, Riley pulled this card when we had lunch together. <laughs> um, Sorry to interrupt. I, I have learned that people care what the... the card deck is called that you read from that's important and then also that some people read as past present future and yeah. some people read just as a general reading and then also who are we pulling for right now 
okay. We're pulling for, we're just pulling for all the listeners. We're taking okay. a snapshot of just ourselves, the energy that we've kind of curated in this conversation. And the deck that I'm pulling from, I'm sorry, I talk about it all the time because I love this deck. It's The Wild Unknown by Kim Kranz. And all of the imagery is um, depicted by images of nature. So lots of animals um, and like very like things that you could find outside. Uh, relatable, relatable objects rather than like pictures of people. It's animals and um, plants, stuff like that. So with the hanged man, it's that energy of like, a shift of perspective and you can hang there upside down as long as you want but it's going to start to get uncomfortable at a certain point we're not meant to to hang upside down for extended periods of time but sometimes you need it to just like get a, a fresh perspective a shift Think about like when you try to blend oil and water, it always separates. But if you like shake it or put it upside down, it'll move around for you. Um, When I work out with my trainer, the last thing we do in every workout is we go on an inversion table and I hang upside down and it immediately relaxes you because your body's like, whoa, this is not normal. I have to focus. And so sometimes if you, you know, whether you're an entertainer and you need to Go into the dressing room, put your headphones on, listen to your white noise. Or you're even if you're a customer and you have a bad experience with, you know, something happened, it didn't go the way you wanted it. You might go to the bathroom, put cold water on your face to like shift your shift your energy. Um, the hangman reminds us that like it's okay to do this, but it's you can't live here can't live here it'll it will be extremely complicated and difficult um the second card and i'm pulling these cards some people will do past present and future and you can look at it that way i read them for what they are and then in summary we can look at what that might be reflected as in a past present and future um the second card is number three of the major arcana the empress and it is a picture of a, an illuminated tree with the moon in the background with a bright pink energy in the leaves. And the empress is like, she's the goddess of the tarot. It is the energy of maternal instincts, deep, deeply rooted foundation, stability, and accountability like the empress is our best selves that shows up to work the empress is that energy of i've got a lot of space to hold on to a lot of things but i will go through the seasons and shed what i don't need anymore um illuminated by the moon reflecting sometimes those shadowy selves shadowy parts of ourselves um but overall, like a really beautiful card because trees can be home to a lot of animals. Trees can be um, refuge. Trees can be, I mean, eventually cut down and used to shelter us in different ways or um, provide to us whether they bear fruit. Um, 
it's it's when the empress is when we show up as our best self we have everything that we need and we can provide it to ourselves and then should i go for the last one are you ready for the last one all right that is yeah the absolutely Okay. And just for the listeners, we will take a picture of all three of these cards and put them on our Instagram story, like our Instagram feed. So you'll be able to kind of see them as, as um, Courtney reads them as well. Yeah. The third card is one of my favorites. It's the Hermit. It's number nine of the Major Arcana. We pulled only major cards in this poll, which is a big deal. Major cards are the more powerful and they're the more specific. So rather than, oh, this could mean this, this is a very loud theme. Um, the Hermit, it is a beautiful tortoise with a gas lamp on its shell. And it is the most respected and revered card in the whole deck. People who embody the qualities of the Hermit, it's not just isolation, like shutting everybody out. It's knowing when to go inward and protect yourself so you can show up for everybody else. Um, the idea of like our inner light shining throughout all types of adversity and knowing that a, a turtle shell isn't, it's not like a, a hermit crab where they abandon for a bigger home. This grows with you. And it often might grow moss, which means that it's a safe place to like set down roots and to build a foundation and be a part of something bigger. Um, the hermit is a very powerful energy of knowing when to put yourself out there and when to pull yourself back. So if I were to look at these three cards based on the conversation that we had, it's very clear that we have everything that we need within ourselves, but we have to be able to identify what it is we need so we know how to get it. And so that's the Empress. We have everything we need. But sometimes we have to, as I'm holding up the hangman, you have to shift your perspective to kind of move everything around, look at it with a fresh face, to know and whether to assess, here's the hermit, is it safe to come out or do we need to do a little bit more work on ourselves before we can do that? Can I show up as my best self? Is is there enough oil in my lamp? Can I guide my my own way to give me everything that I want? I would say so. This is really powerful. A shift of perspective and calibrating your needs and taking inventory of your emotional, physical, and financial reserves to be able to motor on slow and steady rather than, you know, tortoise in the hair. We don't want burnout. We want to know how to maintain earning money as long as possible, how to maintain success for as long as possible rather than just being a flash in the pan. And sorry, can you just repeat the significance of pulling all three major cards? Yeah, major major cards are a big deal because rather than 
them addressing a wider range of, you know, cups represent the quality of our relationships. So that's kind of like a big pool to sift through where the hermit is like, this is about the relationship with yourself and being your best self before you can share with others. It's more direct. It's the, it's the universe kind of being like, listen here. I've tried saying this nicely and I've tried being a little vague with it, but now we're going to have some thunder and lightning and I'm going to be loud. So it's a very direct message. It's, it's a, it's, it's a good one. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time and, and reading the tarot cards for, I mean, us and the listeners. Yeah, it's so fun. It's it's something that I've been doing more and more. I actually was pulling cards on Friday night because we wanted to make money. And we were like, oh, what do the cards say? What do the cards say? And one of the entertainers I work with, she doesn't speak much English, but she made it known that she wanted to pick the cards. She like took the cards out of my hand and she picked one and put it on the table and what do you know? It was the 10 of pentacles, which is the money card. Like there's not a louder card that screams money than that. And we all made bank that night. Like we counted money out of garbage bags. It was gorgeous. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it's the part of the episode. I know you have been waiting for Courtney. (laughs) I practiced this time. I'm prepared. Yeah, so I, switched, I, so I switched the questions. And, no, I'm joking. <laughs> well, actually, joke's on you, Danica, because I've been listening to the early episodes of the podcast, so I know what all the questions are. And I know oh, what no. you whittled them down to be. No, these are brand new, never, never heard before questions. We, we made them just for you. Still busting questions. No, we're going to check in with you again on the three questions that we ask all of our interviewees. Firstly, what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't tried yet, but you want to try? Um. Oh my gosh. And now I'm so embarrassed. I almost forgot what I want. I was prepared for the other question first. Oh, what did I say? I just got so hyped up. I got so hyped up and now I'm nervous like... <laughs> Okay, hold on. Um, something that I haven't tried that I want to try. Um, I'm so embarrassed that I don't remember right now. You you just made me like feel like called out. All right, if I had to try something that I haven't tried before, I think I want it to be like I want to be like genuinely wine dined whisked away like like Danielle Steele type shit like I want to I want to play that game for fun I think that would be fun are we thinking like full like 365 days movie type style no I want like (laughs) I want like one day where like like opening scene is like I've got an Hermes scarf on my head with like huge sunglasses and a Birkin bag and then like cut scene to like people waiting on me like I'm being pampered I'm being like worshipped and then like I drive off in like my luxury vehicle alone like I come I'm treated nicely 
I have a wonderful sexual experience and then I like go away. How bad is it? That's like a total made up fantasy that a yeah. man would treat you really well and like yeah. play you and then leave you alone. <laughs> like, oh my God, talk about, talk about fantasy novel. Treat me like a goddess. Fuck me till I come so hard. My eyes pop out of my head and then go away. <laughs> leave me the fuck alone. That last part being very crucial. That's the most important part. <laughs> All right. What is one thing you've tried sexually that you wouldn't be doing again? I don't want anybody saying my fucking name in bed. I hate it. I know my name. I don't need to hear. I don't need to hear you say it. When they say it, when they say it, doesn't it make you feel like they're trying to like reassure you that they remember it? Yes. Or like okay. Or they're trying to like they're trying to make you feel good about it. It's like yeah. 100%. It seems so calculated. I tell my dog he's a good boy. I'll be like, you're a good boy. You're good. Like, if somebody's, like, fucking me and they're like, oh, Courtney, it's like, it's, (laughs) what? What, what It was Courtney, right? Courtney. (laughs) That's right. Was I supposed to say something else? Like, and also, like, I have too many names in this industry that I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to hear them. Like, I don't know who I am in this moment. In this moment, I'm a I'm a rabid animal that's like out for like some in carnal instinctual pleasure. I'm I, Courtney doesn't exist right now. Like who's that? She doesn't do go here. What do you want to be called, or is there anything, or you just don't want to be addressed? Do no, I don't want. Any, I don't want. I don't want any sounds at all. Silence. <laughs> no, I want. What I want is to hear, like, I want, I want a play-by-play of what they're enjoying. Like, oh, it feels good. It feels so good when you do this. Like, that's what I want to hear. That's the type of validation that I want. Saying my name doesn't offer me validation. It just is, it's, it's kind of self-absorbed for myself. I would so much rather hear somebody say, like, I'm literally unable to control myself right now because of how you're making me feel. It's like, yeah, that's how powerful I am. But saying my name, it's like, ew. For me, for me. Somebody else might love that. Somebody else might love it. Say my name, spell my name, say it in different languages. Not me. Don't fucking say my name. It's over. (laughs) Spell my name. (laughs) Do not directly address me. Do not um, directly address me. <laughs> Do majesty okay. or nothing else. That's right. Impress, that's it. Yeah. Like when they say, like, whose dick is this? Uh, Clearly, I don't fucking is know. there something else going on that I need to know about? <laughs> like, are you confused? Whose dick do you <laughs> want it to be? <laughs> this, this dick doesn't belong to you? Did you find oh, it on Craigslist? Is it mine? Do you want me to have the dick? <laughs> <laughs> Men are stupid and we don't respect them. On the other end, and you're taking the dick? Yeah, right? This is a oh. question. <laughs> All right. Lastly, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? I would say that my name is Courtney. You may call me Coco. Don't call me by it. (laughs) Don't call me by my name. You can call me whatever you want. (laughs) 
And my cash app is dollar sign Coco Rhino. And love it. <laughs> that's where you can call me. Like if you want, if you want to call me anything, just just I don't know. Make my cash app sing. Buy me Bitcoin. <laughs> All right. Courtney, where can people find you? Find me on Instagram at the posh tart. And if you happen to be in South Florida, there's only a handful of clubs. So stumble into one and see if you find me. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at five zero plus a tip or email at five zero plus a tip at gmail.com. Slide the DMs or email with any questions, comments. We love getting them. Thank you so much for joining us again, Courtney. It was nice to catch up and see that you were doing so well. And we are very proud of you and how far you're coming in your own just personal growth and your healing journey. Thank you, guys. You're the best. (laughs) Have a wonderful week and happy whoring. Bye. Bye. Bye.